Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a weekly dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi! Hi. (laughs) Today we'll be sitting down with Topher Taylor. Topher is a sex educator, host of the podcast Sex with Topher, and has been featured on Channel 4 for his expertise in the sex and intimacy arena. So I'm going to jump in this week with my story that looks at Syra Khan from Loose Women who wants to be more reflective of the world by having her replacement on Loose Women as a gay, trans or non-binary person. Now, Syra Khan has worked on Loose Women for a while and she decided to leave to work on her skincare brand, to work on herself and to kind of rediscover herself this year. And when she announced that she was leaving, she pleaded with the network chiefs to replace her with someone more reflective of the world we live in. Now, obviously, Loose Women comes in the title, It's All Women, but they are very typical heteronormative. They might all be straight. I'm not sure. Do you know if there are any lesbians? I'm not sure if they're all straight, but um, when I was Googling, if you Google Loose Women, the first thing that comes up at the top is um, a showreel, roll call, a roll call, that's the word, Mm -hmm. of all the presenters, current and previous. Okay. And they all seem to be middle-class white women, but I'm not sure if they're all straight. I assume most of them are. Yeah. and she's and she's like the only really brown face mm-hmm. um, in that lineup. I think that in previous times there have been black women who've presented yeah. for a bit, but not for that long, not as long as Syrah's been on the show. Yeah. So it's actually quite sad to see that she's leaving because she was part of that diversity that was being represented. But I love that she's using her platform and what was her space to say, you need to do this. You need to have someone who's gay or trans or non-binary on the show regularly, not just as a, not just as a, you know, one-off in order to yeah. better reflect the world we live in now. And yeah, I think, I think it's great to see someone who literally has a seat at that table to dem- make demands to the network chiefs. Now, obviously, once she's gone, she's gone. Network chiefs will be network chiefs and who knows where this will go. But I think she made a lot of noise and... It was covered by yeah. quite a lot of publications. So hopefully, hopefully they do something about it. And it would be great to see, um, you know, a lesbian or a transgender or non-binary person on the show because them bringing their experience to the discussion, especially on a mainstream TV show, would be incredible. Yeah. So what's what's the equivalent of Loose Women in America? I don't Is know. It like, it's, it's like... Because it's a daytime TV show with all women presenters and like... Obviously, they cover a lot of stuff, but it's, it's supposed to be, you know, a space on TV for women, for women issues. I guess they have um, panel shows there. Yeah, they have panels. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I know there's a, there's a similar kind of show in America, but it escapes me right now. Um, but that's basically what Loose Women is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what she's done here, she's she's left the show uh, on her own accord. It's probably she's been there for a while and, you know, it's time for her to leave or she wants to leave for other things. And I recognise her from old school apprentice it was 2005 she was one of the contestants on the apprentice when it was still good in the uk yeah and she was quite a standout person contestant and then she went on to do tv presenting and like children's pretty tv presenting as well as uh, adult daytime stuff yeah so she's always kind of been around tv very successful pakistani woman and she's always been very open and honest about her kind of her own issues grown up uh, especially on the show like she's spoken to the audience on the show which i imagine i've probably like just mums you know uh, a lot of the audience will be mums who are at home or you know or just I guess anyone who's at home but I think the 
audience is you know female targeted so she's covered a lot of issues about like i saw a couple of videos about her talking about how she was abused as a child her talking about her lack of libido recently as well and how that's affected her husband her husband's white she's pakistani so that's also kind of been some of the struggle that she's had with you know her community so she's always been a very like relatable honest character on the show yeah and she's i mean this is just like she's left the show but she's clearly a very good lgbt ally uh, i did a quick google search on Syra khan lgbt to see if there's any dirt and there wasn't like she's just been pretty she has a clean record when it comes to supporting lgbt rights which i love to see wow that's very rare, right? Yeah, it's super rare. Like someone's already done something. Someone's al- always done something and then it's kind of, they've grown from it. But she's always been a supporter of LGBT rights and LGBT people. Uh, so for her to kind of like kind of like leave and then put pressure on the producers of the show to say, hey, like I'm leaving. I guess the rest of the women presenting the show are like white women. So she could have easily said, oh, replace me with another brown person or a person of colour. But she actually said replace me with a lesbian a uh, gay individual a uh, trans non-binary individual yeah and like she really specified that and that's going to apply pressure because no matter now and like, she might not have the power to choose who's going to replace her but if the producers do anything else they'll come under a lot of like scrutiny yeah but again like like i said the show's audience is probably a bit more of a mums.net audience so to have a transgender or non-binary or even a lesbian presenter could be controversial could cause a lot of people to go on to i think it's itv channel uh, and complain i don't know i i used to love watching loose women oh of course you do like they talk about they do talk about <laughs> like genuine Were you not at school <laughs> Huh? Were you not at school? Isn't it the daytime? Um, yeah, it's on at like twelve thirty. I think when I had college, I only had half days, so I used to watch it. I used to watch it when I lived with my grandma. My grandma loves it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think they spoke about real issues. They were genuinely real women talking about real things. Now, I think they probably did. Well, they definitely did come from a place of privilege, but they got like normal in quotation marks people to like write in and share their stories and stuff you could tweet the show and they'd read it out and like it was very like interactive like real you know i think there's a very working class audience although they were probably middle class women and yeah i used to love it i want to ask the question i guess to both of us who out of the people we know would you replace syra with not necessarily a celebrity or someone you know someone famous but yeah someone someone in our bubble in our circles who would i replace let's get ben back Ben can go on loose women. Ben Peachy would be incredible. But Ben Peachy yeah. needs their own show. <laughs> this is true. But everyone has to start off somewhere. And if that's where loose, if loose women is going to be the springboard for Ben, then let it be. There's a lack of lesbian presenters. Like, you've got Sandy Toxvig, but she's kind of everywhere. Like, there's surely the space for more lesbians. <laughs> there is a lack of lesbian presenters. Well, who would you pick? Well, I was going to say Ben Peachy, and you stole it. <laughs> oh, ben would be amazing. Ben would be great. Munro Bergdorf would be amazing, I think. Like, I think... <sighs> she's definitely on the same level and probably would be able to lead those conversations and definitely argue back with people as well yeah i think monroe would be great for this monroe would be very entertaining to watch Mm. as well um just to see how so imagine monroe has a very different perspective to the rest of the people on that panel and also the audience so some of the stuff that she might say is it might seem controversial or like it would be a very good counterpoint to some of the issues and monroe is always like i've seen monroe do a speech in um it was two prides ago monroe did a speech and like very very good at capturing the you know the room and holding the room yeah yeah let's get let's get monroe there or even lady phil lady phil would be quite good on this (laughs) because she's quite cheerful she's very positive but I bet she can. I, I bet she can time. argue. Oh, Lady Phil can argue. I reckon. What do you feel? Yeah, yeah. I think Lady Phil would be great too. Um, I feel like I know, it's going to sound very cynical now, but if they had, and I don't know because they've had Alison from Big Brother on the show as a presenter before, but it must be very difficult for black women to be on TV and not get criticised all the time. Like if they were to give a, a, a counterpoint, maybe classed as a you know that kind of stereotype type of an angry black woman, mm. um, as we see with Diane Abbott as well. Like anything Diane Abbott does, smallest thing will get criticised, and you know people pounce on her for it. Yeah, and then there's a lot forgiven for other politicians who are not black or who are not a woman and we've seen it also with Naga Munchetti on the BBC sometimes when she wears like a skirt or she makes a joke or she actually just talks from her own perspective as as a brown woman she gets called out for it or you know the angry mob come out and it's no other presenter gets that treatment so it's actually quite 
I think is quite a hard job to take on. Um, but people like Monroe and Lady Phil have been in the game for a while and I think they'll have the thick skin and you know, they also have the intelligence and um, kind of the knowledge that they've accumulated in their career to take, it to on. take that kind of, to take it on, yeah. I think so. Well, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't asked you to um, cast for them. I know. I'm surprised they didn't ask me to just be on it. I could be a loose woman. What do you reckon? Mm. Mm, I think you would have to be a woman or um, at least a non-man. <laughs> so you might be out of luck there. Yeah. But you could probably go on as a guest. I'll go on as a guest and spill the tea on yeah. Mufsin's life. The real Mufsin Mia. No one cares about me. Oh, yeah, that's why, would, why would you go on loose women to talk about my life talk about your life <laughs> no, one, no one cares about me either <laughs> you'll find me on top gear <laughs> no i'm joking i don't like cars imagine right <laughs> back to business Mufsin, what business. was your story this week so i came across a garden article which caught my eye because the heading was first non-binary person granted uk refugee status which is pretty wild when you think about it um and because in the UK, you can apply for refugee status if, for example, if you're gay, lesbian, like if your sexuality is illegal in the country you're from. So this is the first time that someone has been granted refugee status, but based on their gender identity as a non-binary person. Yeah. So the article kind of goes, digs into how this came about, like how hard was it for this, for the non-binary person to, you know, to get refugee status. The person, Arthur Brittany Joster from El Salvador. Do you know where El Salvador is? I have no idea. Don't ask me about geography. <laughs> it's Central America. Yeah. So they concluded in the in the courts that if they were to go back to their own country, they would face prosecution on the basis of their gender identity. Therefore, going back home is actually dangerous for this individual. Yeah. And therefore, they've been granted refugee status in the UK. The interesting thing is usually people get refugee status um, if they're gay or lesbian and bisexual. So this is why this is very different. And it wasn't an easy journey because Joster went to the courts, got rejected for refugee status, appealed, went to the courts, got rejected again, and then appealed again. So this is the third time that they've had this hearing. And the judge in, in this in this court case, in this hearing, said, like, of course, like, you know, if you go back, you might be subject to physical and sexual violence. Um, therefore, we will give you status. And it's the, the heading says, I, I felt I felt like my life was born again. And that's just exactly what a refugee feels like when they get that status, that kind of stamp of approval is like, I can just be me in a safe environment. Yeah. Um, so it's really life changing. And it also hopefully sets, it also hopefully sets a precedent that more and more people who are trans and non-binary from countries where they might be prosecuted or subject to abuse can come to the UK and other countries and, you know, on the basis of their gender identity, get that refugee status that they that they need to live their life that they um, deserve. Absolutely. When I was, um, I had a look at the article as well. And um, one of the lines, what a quotation from the person said mm-hmm. in El Salvador, non-binary people are in so much danger. I've seen corpses. Anything could have happened to me. I could have been tortured, raped, shot or killed. And like yeah. people here have it hard enough. But like that honestly must be terrifying to, I mean, to pe- walk down the street and to, to not know yeah. what's going to happen to you. And if you're going to survive till the next day, like no one deserves to live like that, right? No. Yeah, you say people here have it hard, but it does not compare to yeah. certain countries. And like, could you imagine just being that judge and saying, no, you have to go back, yeah. knowing full well it is basically a death sentence. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be an absolute cunt. That you're giving, yeah. Um, so Joster was very happy about the final hearing and the judge really understood. Um, so the um, Joseph said, she just understood me, all the tiny details. She saw the whole picture. And I love that. Like the, all the, she, the judge understood all the tiny details. And I imagine what Joseph's talking about is all the intricacies about a gender identity the judge understood. And it's like, if you go to a court case and you're, you can get any, any judge... And it's like, a, it's like a lottery, whether the judge will be educated enough on LGBT issues to sympathise with your case. So I'm glad, I'm glad it's finally happened. Um, and the judge was amazing because on top of when you do have a hearing, you, you, the judge has to say a final kind of summary of what's happened throughout the entire case. And the judge just said, in previous hearings, using the pronoun he was wrong. So imagine previous hearings, they used the pronoun he to refer to... Um, Arthur 
Joestar. So there's just like, that's so something, a small thing that the judge didn't really need to say, but said it. I mean, it's it's very rare that someone would be so understanding. So I'm I'm. It does make mm. me feel quite. I don't know. This whole this whole article kind of shakes you up a bit. But yeah, it it definitely makes you feel good to know that there are people on our side in the in the kind of legal system. Yeah, and to go full circle, this is why you need diversity and inclusion. You know, you need to have all these kind of policies get equal access, equal opportunities in systems like the legal system and any institution, tackle it everywhere because otherwise cases like this at the at the end yeah. won't get through. Yeah, but hopefully this sets so, yeah, precedent. Like people people now who are facing that will, will be able to gain refugee status here and also hopefully that encourages our government to put more pressure on them to basically treat their people with more respect and provide them with safety hopefully so it's, it's actually really good news and joester 29 now settled in liverpool 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 well my family are from liverpool no one asked you spencer oh okay <laughs> are they i thought you're welsh no you've been well, lying to me all this time no from where i'm from in north wales some people are kind of welsh and kind of scouse there's like a hybrid um accent so some words i say are slightly scouse so that's I guess that's like two really good pieces of news. One about Syra Khan encouraging producers of Loose Women to have a prominent gay, trans, non-binary panellist, which would be great for representation. And also some forward thinking happening in the legal system to allow non-binary refugees into the UK. Yes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now for the fun bit. We get to talk to Topher about sex and more. First of all, Topher, would you like to introduce yourself to all of our listeners? Yeah, sure. Okay, my name is Topher, um, or Topher Taylor. I do sex education. I like the inter- intimacy arena. And I've never heard that one. I like that a lot. But yeah, so basically I, I use social media and um, basically I create content for various different platforms, which basically just encourages people to like have responsible sex to remove shame from masturbation. And I'm kind of, I'm really closely associated with the use of sex toys. So I really encourage people to like put things up their butts and like in their vulvas and like talk openly about it. Because I mean, it's just for me, and I think probably where I lose perspective, I've worked with it for years. So I try and normalize it the same way it is for me for everyone else. Because to me it is normal. That's my like nine to five, that's my bread and butter. That's how I make my money. And I like it. So yeah, and I basically I'm basically just a slapper who gets paid to be a slapper, <laughs> which is kind of the dream job. It's lucky I've worked hard. Though. It's been like 13 years. It's not been the quick thing. <laughs> it's not like well, you're more than welcome to use the term intimacy arena if you like it. I like it intimacy. That could be like my drag name. <laughs> Hi, I'm intimacy arena. <laughs> Well, when I was looking at your website, um, I was trying to figure out like, what do you do? You do so many different things and it's all related to um, sex, sex toys. And I was kind of trying to think like, okay, I can't keep using the word sex. So I was trying to think of something else. And I feel like intimacy is the right one because a lot of the stuff you do with sex toys, it, it is all about how different people um, interact with each other through intimacy and also intimacy with themselves with, the t- with toys. So I feel like that is, that is very much what you do. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think like intimacy is a really good word for it because I'm not like I, I I talk a lot of like vulgar talk, but when you read my actual work, it's all about intimacy, and I want people to feel confident and sexy, and like the best part about my job is when you get like when you have those private 
intimate like interactions with people who want help with like say they're suffering from erectile mm-hmm. dysfunction or they want to try an anal toy or they've never tried you know something before and you have those little private chats like that's why I do my job because I enjoy yeah. it and I just don't get bored I, like I've been doing it long enough now, now to know that I'm enjoying it <laughs> it's kind yeah. of my my uh my thing I love it so like Spencer said you've pretty much got your dream job if that's fair to say yeah I'm very lucky like I, I, I'm I'm fully aware of it but it has been hard work like it really has been hard work yeah so I was, <laughs> yeah. I was reading an article from GMFA and you seem to have like a very long history with Soho and sex shops and sex workers in that area and like what exactly drew you to working in sex shops and with sex toys um basically I am um, when I was younger like I wasn't academically good at all I was terrible. I failed all my exams. I didn't realize until I got a little bit older that I did have like learning difficulties, and I, did ha- mm. I, I had like I had difficulties, especially with maths and science. But English and art, I was great at, and I never really understood why. So I failed pretty much everything. So I, I figured out when I was in, and I'm I went to sixth form in Lewisham, and I got removed from the sixth form because there was like violence against me because of blah blah blah, mm. like being being queer, like you can imagine. So I was like, I'm really gonna have to figure out what I'm gonna do with my life intelligently because this isn't working for me, and like my home environment wasn't safe like not my parents I mean like my like even my schooling I wasn't safe so I was like right, yeah. what am I good at what do I like like what do people and it was just sex and it's not like saying I'm great in bed it's just like my, my friends would come to me to talk to me about sex because they knew I wouldn't judge them so I was like right well that's something that people like with me and people obviously feel safe and comfortable and I feel confident with sex so what can I do? I'm like, I don't want to escort because that's not my personality type. I don't want to like, I, I mean, I used to like dance on bars and stuff. Like and like do like, like really vague stripping when I was like younger and had a fake ID that said I was a lot older than I was. So it was very <laughs> illegal. <laughs> but then I was like, right, sex shops, like let's try a sex shops. So I just kind of handed my CVs around Soho. And I think a lot of the managers were quite impressed by how blase I was with it. Because like, yeah, I want to work here. I love sex. And I, and I applied for a job at this one particular shop called Simply Pleasure. Mm-hmm. And the, man, the manager was a woman called Jessica. And she was like your, if you can imagine like your typical sex shop manager, like this big, tough, like broad, like you don't fuck with her. And she just took a liking to me. And I was actually in Brighton and I got a phone call from my mum saying, Topher, a sex shop is called for you. <laughs> what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I applied for jobs in Soho. And she was like horrified because my mum's like Irish Catholic. I'm like, no, no, trust me, mum, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing, I know this is my part, you need to trust me. And she was like, hmm, okay. And yeah, I got the job, and it just kind of progressed from there. So when, because it was, this is back in the day, like, when Soho was still quite vicey, like, I really caught the back end of it, it was just Mm. dying out, it was just about, because then Soho Estates came in and obliterated Soho. Yeah. You know, like, where there was Pret-a-Manger and, like, expensive t-shirt shops, now there used to be, like, gay porn cinemas you know, Spankaramas, there were like strip clubs. So, like There still are some, but they all got pushed out. Like there was licensing, like people wanted to put apartments in, people wanted to put like members clubs, etc. When was that? So, like, which year would that have been? Because I, obviously I know Soho from, I guess, 2012 when I moved to London. Yeah, so I, I started working in the sex shop when I was two, in 2008, but, but I partied in Soho from 2006, 2007. So I'd made friends with a lot of the local like prostitutes and like escorts and like they called themselves brasses. And I think, I don't know how that might offend people nowadays, but that's just what I knew when I was Hmm. a kid. So I'd made friends with a lot of like the workers in the area. So what I did when I went to the sex shop, I was like, right, I need to start making the best sales because everyone in the shop was marked on who's making the best sales because then you can be like progressed. And I, yeah. and I started to make the best sales because I, I kind of made, there was a, a local, like, let's call it a um, a ladies venue where gentlemen could go in and, you know, meet a lady for, a, you know, an exchange of financial, <clears throat> so blah, blah, blah. And we used, to call, <laughs> we used to call it the old bounce house. And I made friends of all the girls because they used to protect, kind of protect me because I was a young, dumb idiot, always getting drunk in Soho. So I was like, right, if, if you guys buy your lingerie from the shop and buy your sex toys and your poppers, etc., hmm. I'll give you a discount. So I just started, I got this like, I basically got into a relationship with all the local sex workers. And I was like, I'll do you favours because obviously it benefits me, but I want to know, like, I, I like you, you've always kept me safe. So it's kind of like a mutual, like, friendship, beneficial situation. Thinking and, like yeah. a businessman, even at a young age. Yeah, I just, I thought I have to figure something out because I was like, oh my God, everything is going wrong. Like, I'm not good at school. I, you mean, I'm being removed from college. I have to figure something out for myself. And it just seemed to make sense. And I enjoyed yeah. it. And I, I, lo- I love those girls and I miss them so much. And they've been pushed out. I don't know where half of them are. 
and I hope they're in safe environments. I know they were safe in the house there, but you know what that industry is like. It can be so reckless yeah. if it's not monitored, and that's why I get annoyed at people trying to push it underground all the time because that's what make it. That's what makes it dangerous. What do you think of like the biggest changes to Soho um, and sex work in that area um, over the years that you've kind of experienced it? Oh, I mean, it's just been totally sanitized. Um, like licensing fees are ridiculous for sex shops at one point. Like outrageous. There is no way. So people, basically people were being priced out because these people wanted to use these venues for, you know, they wanted to put real estate in. Yeah. You know, they, they wanted to have quick turns around of cash. They wanted to have retail rent, you know. So like, for example, like, you used to walk around Soho and yeah, there were sandwich shops. Like Soho's always had an edge of being trendy. Mm. But like and now, like I think I nearly threw up on the street once because I walked past a shop that sold like posh crisps and that's all they sold. Oh yeah, the pop chips place. I was like, what? It's terrible. So I've walked past there and it's like five pounds for a small. Oh, <laughs> I don't know I even mean, what it was like. A hundred grams of crisps for five pounds. <laughs> and you just think like, I remember walking around these streets and seeing like these beautiful like trans escorts in Walker's Court, you know, and being mm. so intimidated and in love with them. And then like now when you walk around Soho and you see just like kids walking around with su- supreme shopping bags and it's like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be pretentious, but I miss like the good maybe old I'm, days. Yeah, like I sound, I sound like an old queen now and I probably am, but like I do miss it and I, I worry about I don't know, I mean obviously that's that's my heart and that's my safe space, like the adult mm. industry. Like I love it and I I don't see it for dirty, vicey. I see it for humans making the money in the way that they enjoy and the best see fit for them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bars bars aside, um, what are the kind of staple shops that or establishments in Soho that are still there? Mm. I mean, there's British Porn, which is on the alleyway just off Brewer Street. That's been there for a while, and I'm glad it's still there. Simply Pleasure is still there, which is good. But again, it's like kind of like a big business. It's not like an independent individual sex shop. And I miss the sex shops where you walk in, the guys like had their feet up on the counter. Like I know, but that's my old school kind of sentiment. But there's what else is still there? Prowler is still there, which I'm obviously. Mm. I mean. I work for Clone Zone, but I, love, I still will always have a love of Prouder and a respect for what they've achieved. Clone Zone's still there, which is great, because that means I'm employed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like Prowler Red is there now, which is great. It's like the fetish division. I don't know. I'm happy to see any sex menu, but I've just seen so many go that it's just like, we. so you need to hold on to that. And that's why I try not to compete too much with the brands yeah. in the area in Soho. It's more I about let's, let's help each other out rather than let's push each other out. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, um, do you feel whilst a lot of them have been removed and kind of pushed out do you feel that it's become more taboo since then do you feel that there's kind of been a dip in in kind of talk about sex and use of sex toys and also like how do you feel that that's changed since it's all moved online because obviously online there's a lot more stores because it's easier to not pay rent and stuff and it's easier to get stuff shipped discreetly yeah and this is why actually a lot of people did like a lot of adult businesses did really benefit and it's, it seems sick saying that because of the like, the loss of life but co- like covid19 mm. bo- boosted adult toy retail online like clone zone's a bit of a different story like we did well online but obviously we had four physical locations shut you know intermittently and so um i remember so like i think the conversation about sex and soho has changed because when there was lots of sex shops you would kind of see guys really confidently walk into bars with bags from like clone zone or like dirty white boy or like you know some of the old shops which have gone now and i think i don't know like i remember once when i was younger i was under shouldn't have been in the pub like i was like 16 but i remember seeing a guy just with a butt plug on the counter and he'd bought it i don't know where he'd bought it from but it was like that was really interesting to me like it was quite intoxicating that this man was so confident that he'd been to a sex shop and just plonked it on the counter and was like drinking his beer and whatever but yeah I think so I don't know I, I maybe I romanticize it all a bit too much but the conversation about sex I think things like Twitter when we're looking at online retail have totally changed the game because you can talk I mean you, we all know what Twitter's like like you can you can scroll your timeline and you can jump from someone being double fisted to then like someone retweeting <laughs> Diane Abbott you know so it's like it's it's like you know it's, it's that that mix but yeah I think the conversation about sex is I think when it's limited to people just being very liberal on social media I think it's a bit of a vacuum mm. so I do miss the days where people would come to Soho for it because you're talking to a human and that's why I went into my line of work because what I did was it got to a point where I was too busy and the businesses were seeing me as too god I'm gonna sound so arrogant but I was making them money so they wanted to put me into head office yeah. and like use, use my behind the counter logic in yeah. a business sense. So what I do with my podcast and any of my content that I create is 
basically I'm still that kid behind the till, you know, talking to someone who comes in saying, I can't come, can you help me? And I'm like, all right, cool. So what I do is I take that personality and that interest and kind of just project it into whatever content I post. And usually I'm wearing something stupid as well because I get bored. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I, I try I try and like keep it, like I said, intimate. Yeah. Like, I'm, like I'm talking to you in a sex shop. Yeah. It's probably the first time Diane Abbott and double fisting has been said in the same sentence. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Diane. <laughs> Do you think it I is? I love her. I, maybe, maybe not. I mean... she, she she saw me fall over before. I was walking on Oxford Street and I walked towards her and I was like, oh my God, that's Diane Abbott. And it was outside House of Fraser. <laughs> and I, and I, I trod on a bin bag and slipped sideways and fell flat on my face on Oxford Street. Um, did, she, did she have a can in her hand? <laughs> she had four. <laughs> Yeah, she she cheersed me. <laughs> While she picked herself up off the floor. Yeah, it's just like, of course I fall over a bin bag in front of like one of my idols. <laughs> um, but what you said about um, people being really proud about going to Prowler or Clone Zone, having that bag, I totally get what you mean. Because by doing that, you're kind of normalizing it in real space. Whereas even though things have gone online and that's beneficial for people, um, it kind of you're kind of going underground again, but virtually. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to find it so charming when I worked in the shops because you would have two different types of bags for customers. You'd have the black shiny bag, which was not branded, mm. and you'd have the branded bag. And I loved it when you'd have the customers who wanted the branded bag because they were proud to be seen on the tube, you know, with Clone Zone or Simply Pleasure or Prowler or whatever. And I used to remember when I first started working in the sex shop, I used to tuck my name tag into my polo shirt because I didn't want people to see it and I was like mm. wait I'm such a hypocrite like so I was like no like fuck this so I used to like take it out and make sure people saw like simply pleasure written on my like you like a staff name badge thing yeah. and I've still I've still actually got it I've got it hung up in my hallway you still just wear it for old time's sake yeah I wear it during <laughs> sex <laughs> like my, they're like that the smells can you take it off <laughs> but yeah so I think like I, 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 I find it really endearing when you see someone who really like in a public space rather than just online can be like I love sex and that's why I like like talks and stuff like people like you know like group like companies like GMFA when they do the talks and stuff I love that I love it anything that normalizes conversations about sex sexual health you know especially within minority groups like I'm all for it I'm like I'm like the biggest cheerleader for that shit (laughs) do you find um so working at clone zone do you find that different minority groups that come in have kind of different attitudes or are they a bit more discreet or Absolutely. Are they looking at certain things? Absolutely. And it, and as a salesperson, you, it's absolutely your job to be mindful of that and aware of it. Mm. So it's not just enough to like just want a job in a sex shop or just want to work for Clone Zone because gay porn stars come in every now and then. You know, you, you need to be fully aware of who you're talking to, like what, like the, the background to what they're talking about. And like, we all come from different situations. And I think that it's really important to be mindful of it. And you can't just expect someone to be as overtly sexual or confident as you just because, you know, you're in that environment all the time. So it's your job as a salesperson or anyone working in this industry on a customer-facing front Mm. to clock it when someone walks in the door. You know, make sure if they're shy that you reassure them without offending them or being brash. And, you know, we all come from different walks of life. And that's one thing I enjoyed doing when I worked in the shop was kind of clocking that that vibe immediately. And it's really important because it, it, all it would take is one person from a background, like say someone comes from a very religious, you know, background and they've really got themselves hyped up and prepared to come into your sex shop. Yeah. If they have a bad experience with you, they may never walk into a sex shop ever again. And maybe that's me being a bit dramatic, but I mean, it's the truth. No, it's, it's, it, that can yeah. definitely happen. Like, if they've... I remember when I was younger, like going into a sex shop was a huge deal and you'd be like, that'd be the day and you'd try to be discreet about it and you slip in and then you browse and you probably run away afterwards. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that still do that um, from different backgrounds. And I guess it's your responsibility or like you take it upon yourself to create a safe space for people because if they do have that bad reaction to or bad experience to a sex shop, it could reflect on how they see their own sexuality and their gender identity um, as they leave. I think people forget, like, again, because we, like, people in my industry and, like, people on our scene, Mm. we're very, and I think you you definitely get, like, maybe disassociated, like, you forget how liberated you are, and it's really hard, or it's really easy, sorry, to forget how someone, like, who's got on the train from Dartford, you know, or from Barking or whatever, and they've come into central London, or they've come into, like, Shoreditch or whatever, and they're like, right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in, and I think it's, it's charming, and I think it's nice, and isn't it nice when, like, I don't know, 
from my personal experience when I used to work in the shops, I love seeing people's faces light up and stuff. And like when you're like, I'm not gonna judge you. Like you can tell me, I've heard everything you can think of times by 10. So you're not gonna shock me. You're not gonna offend me. Like, let's just figure it out. What is the most shocking thing you've heard of or like shocking customer oh experience you've had? There's been some really dark stuff. I don't know if you want me to go there. Like yeah, I had go wherever you want. I've had some awful, like I remember once when I worked, I was 18 and someone outright asked me for child porn. What? Yeah, and I, I, Joey, like, when you, and I'm a quite Larry person, I always have been, like, I'm quite brave. I felt that, like, Joey, that trickling, like, colour going in your cheeks. Yeah. And I was like, I need to alert the police. And if I get aggressive with him, he's going to run. So yep. what I did was I said, to him, I said to him, no, we don't sell that here. Can you just give me one second? And my colleague, like, luckily I work with these big guys. This is back in the day when Soho, you had, like, big guys working in shops. So I was like, Steve, Steve, he can't leave the shop. Get talking to him. I don't care. So I ran into, um, there was a porn shop next door called Private, and I knew the manager. So I just don't know why I thought to run out of the front of the shop. So I ran into the shop next door and we called the police. Yeah, Did they know. arrest him or? Um, I can't even remember. All I remember is there being a big kerfuffle. That's, it was, that's such a weird um, position to be in. It was awful. And I, yeah, it's just like in that moment of, I need to like do something and I didn't know what to do. So I ran into the shop next door because I thought if I run to the back of the shop, it's going to look mm. suspicious. So I kind of made it look like I was going out for a cigarette or something. And we called the police. But then other than that, I mean, it's just like, that's obviously really dark. But then you kind of have like shocking stuff. Like someone threw a masturbator at me once. It was full of cum. <laughs> what, in the what, store? Yeah. And it went, it went like, it went like up a flashlight. Yeah. Well, this is like, this like some cheap handheld thing. So it, like it bounced off the till and like all this liquid like propelled. And I was like, great. Yeah. I just, I just got, I just got bacarkied by like, Without having to, like, at least I didn't have to do any work. <laughs> Usually I have a really sore jaw. <laughs> There's no jaw lock after this one. But yeah, um, <laughs> but you, you kind of get, again, you get used to it. So it's quite hard to see what's shocking anymore. But I think that was that was a very dark one. But then you get, like, fun stuff. Like, you get people coming in trying to shock you. Mm. And some, sometimes it annoys you because you're like, oh, God, I'm, I've had a really busy day. I'm not in the mood for this. But then some days it's really funny. Like, I remember once in clone zone actually and we had a shop when we used to be at number 64 at compton street and this elderly woman came downstairs and this is back in the day where we still sold gay porn magazines and she picked up the gay porn magazine and put it up her skirt and was like rubbing herself with it and i know that it's really bad and it's kind of like offensive and like it's like a, a, maybe a, on some sort of level like an assault but it was really funny <laughs> I found it really funny and I, I was like you're right assault. I was she like you're... she assaulted the magazine well it's because she was like masturbating in front of me pretty much for a magazine and I was like yeah. you're going to buy that by the way <laughs> oh yeah definitely and she was like okay love <laughs> that, that was a good day wow just because I found it so absurd I was like okay I'm going to now going to go and like drink some holy water <laughs> you know I'm like raised Irish Roman Catholic this is like <laughs> my nan will be spinning <laughs> Honestly, I think What's... it's it's really interesting the dynamic because I've I don't find you intimidating online, but your confidence definitely shows in like the way you talk about things and like you said how Larry you you are sometimes, especially when talking about sex toys. Um, but you still seemed really approachable. Um, I don't mind sharing this, but I I came to you the first time I wanted to figure out what sex toy to use because where I grew up and the people I've been around forever. It's not really been something that you talk about. You don't talk about sex or toys or anything. And most people I grew up with were straight. So like even telling them I was gay was a big enough deal. Never mind telling them I wanted to put things up my ass. So <laughs> I think you were, you were definitely, I don't, I don't know how you do it and how you've worked that out, but you definitely have. Like you were, you were the right person to go to because of your confidence, but you were approachable at the same time. Oh, thank you. That's, that literally means the world to me. Because like, that's what I care about. Like, I don't care about being rich or being famous. Genuinely, I don't. Like, I know I, I present myself a certain way, but, like, I like my job. Like, I, I want people to feel safe and comfortable with me. That That's my job. And if, if people don't, then I'm not doing my job properly. And sometimes I maybe have to tone down how aggressive I can be online. And I've definitely, like, I've just actually signed to an agent. And he's like, you should maybe rein it in sometimes. <laughs> because I think maybe, like, like, going after Tories like that might, <laughs> like damage you like when i'm trying to get you on tv shows and people are like yeah he's like effing and blinding at people on twitter and i'm like well, yeah but that's who i am but everyone does that yeah, yeah that's you, who i am you'll, you'll have to find that compromise yeah and like uh, like i said i would rather inject bleach than sleep with a tory so <laughs> thanks donald trump 
honestly. <laughs> but no, I'm, uh, that, that does mean the world to me, so thank you. No, it's fine. Do you, do you think that all of these topics, I think it might be hard because you're in that bubble, but do you think uh, sex, sex toys, masturbation are all still quite taboo subjects? Or do you think yes. they're becoming a lot more accepted? I think, again, um, I hate using like buzzwords, Social media is, again, an echo chamber. It is, yeah. like, so it's gradually getting normalised. But, I mean, I learned the hard way. And at this, I've got to sound like I'm, like, doing something. Like, I did this, and I was on TV. <laughs> but I, I, this is how I learned during lockdown, and it really fucked with my head badly. Um, I did this documentary for Channel 4 social media. So they've been asking me for ages to do stuff for them. Mm. And the, the format has never been right. And I'm not someone who's just going to go on TV to be shocking and talk about sex. That doesn't appeal to me. If anything, it actually damages my brand. But, but I'm just like... And then... So obviously COVID-19 happened and there was no sex. And I'd, I'd gone for... Like, I'm very sexually active. Like, I am. I, I, I enjoy sex. I have good, safe, consensual, fun relationships with beautiful men who I love and respect and one was here last night actually um who's part of my bubble but so they said to me right you're not her my friend who was like that you have to do this they want someone to do like a love in lockdown segment and I was like great I can do that so um anyway after contracts were discussed and blah blah I got sent cameras and they basically said document yourself for 24 hours and talk about what you do like to keep yourself sexually fulfilled during lockdown. So I feel myself talking about how this is a great time for us to shrink the transmission of STIs because everyone's at home. So if every if everybody's tested, you know, everybody knows their status in terms of like, you know, even like, you know, if you have to get some doxycycline from superdrug.com, whatever, like that's fine. Uh, again, there's no shame in that. So I spoke about it quite openly, clearly. I spoke about sex toys that you can use, remote controlled sex toys that people can control from other locations. So, like, you can be at your home in Brixton and someone can control a sex toy that's inside of you from, like, L.A. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that stuff like that existed. Yeah, yeah, like, um, this brand called Love Ants. And so there's a really good butt plug called The Hush. Um, actually, my friend was WhatsApping me about earlier. He had a... Yeah. He had a, he had a um, he's going to kill me for saying this. Hi, Thomas. Um, he had a, um, a Love Ants gangbang by giving multiple people access to the Bluetooth at once. Um, so basically, they asked me to do this document. And then a part of it was I was going to have cyber sex, which I actually was doing. So obviously, mm. I, mi- I missed guys. And then I started, like, had like a couple guys that I trust. I know they're not going to screenshot me or screen record me. So we were having like camera sex and I did that. But then You did that then, for the Channel 4 documentary? I didn't film myself doing cyber sex. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, fi- I filmed the discussion around it. I filmed about, I spoke about how to do it responsibly, etc. Mm. And then um, I like, obviously I sent all the videos back to them. And then when the documentary got released, it had been edited. So it was just basically me preparing all day for cyber sex. And I'm not going to blame editing. I'm not going to be that queen. But, but that they chose a story that they wanted to portray. Yeah. And... Yeah the comments were fucking, excuse my language, sorry, brutal. Mm. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not just hearing people say like, oh, I don't like, I don't want to hear this guy talk about sex. I'm talking like intense, brash, like almost melts the skin off your face homophobia. Like the, the abuse was horrific and it got put up on a Thursday evening and it got pulled after a few hours because it was deemed adult content. So then the producers called me and were like, you need to stop arguing with people in the comments. And I'm like, you need to start monitoring the fucking comments if you don't want yeah. me to argue. So they're like, right, it's going to go back up on Saturday. So then I had anxiety because I'm a really confident person. I have no shame in what I get up to. But it, it Fs with you when you go from the underground to like a little bit of mainstream exposure. Hmm. So funny enough, and I'm like a bloody name drop, but I had to do it. So I think, who is somebody that I know who's ultra sexual, who's gone from underground to mainstream? So I was like, bam, Rebecca Moore, do you know Moore Milf? from yeah, Cop Destroyers yeah. and she's a friend and I really like I trust her and respect her a lot like if you look at like behind the Rebecca Moore personality she's an amazing woman she's confident and kind and smart so I was like Rebecca I'm really panicking I need to talk to you and she called me and she spoke to me on the phone for over an hour and she kind of walked me through it and she was like you need to remember you're going from the underground to mainstream you have to keep that perspective these aren't this isn't your audience anymore yeah. So you're going to be a shock to the system and the things that you don't find shocking, obviously people do. So anyway, it went back out on the Saturday and I literally, thank God to her, for her, sorry, I like I looked at it in a totally new light and I kind of had a sense of humour about it. Like she made something in my head kind of click and I think I needed to hear that from somebody who understood. Yeah. And then like, it's done, it's had like 5 million views, but the, um, which is great for me, like in terms on paper it looks great, but the comments are absolutely awful. So I don't think just going back to the original question and why I went into this like big 
look what I've been up to on TV. But, <laughs> but it's no, I, I think we are a little, sometimes we, when we're in these echo chambers, we believe that everyone thinks the same way as us and everyone's as liberated and it's just yeah. not the way. And I learned that the hard way and I, it really knocked the wind out of my sails badly. And I, I worry for the people that do stuff like that who aren't as tough as me because I, yeah. I, I, I'm a strong person. I've, I've had to be because that of where I grew up. destroy someone. It could. Ab- I can absolutely understand why somebody would read those comments and, like, God forbid, like harm themselves or begin begin some toxic cycle of whatever. So again, thank you to people like Rebecca, you know, because even people like me need to kick up the ass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we, yeah. Def- we definitely have to look out for each other. Um, this happens yeah. a lot in the queer community. Full stop. But with something like that, it is even taboo, like you said, in in our own community. Um, I think. People, people just seem really scared to talk about sex and masturbation and, and kind of feel ashamed for it as well, which, which is bonkers because almost everyone does it, right? So it's, it's making something that seems private and obviously we don't need to broadcast what we're doing all the time unless we want to, of course. But yeah, it's, it's about transforming that. So um, where do you kind of aim to, to go with all of this? What what are your hopes with the content you create? Gosh. I mean, <laughs> is that a really uh, loaded question? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it, it kind of is. I had an idea of, obviously, it was just like using social media, but then obviously, like, these social media rules, which changed on December the 20th, mm-hmm. have yeah. absolutely, like, I'm swearing again, sorry, but I work for... You're talking about the I, Instagram stuff. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's fucked me. Like, no offense, like, I have... I've been shadow banned consistently for over a decade everywhere. Like yeah. even on even on Twitter, when you search my name, you don't always find me. You can search my full username on Instagram, you still not find me. And this is before then. Well, that's, I, that's interesting because the stuff you post is I wouldn't say is sexually explicit. I yeah, I just don't know what it is that there. I mean, mm. I could I could go down the whole gay gay route in the queer route, um, but which does seem to be you know there there are patterns. Yeah. And there are people that have reached out to me and it's like, what, when people watch my documentary and they're messaging me saying, Where, are you on Instagram? I'm like, yeah, just search my name. Like, I can't find you. And then that is damaging to my career yeah. because I've done a documentary which has got 5 million views. I want to be able to take that, yeah. you know, that exposure and push it into my career and, you know, continue to push sex positivity and like encourage responsible sexual behavior because it's not like i'm sat there just just posting pictures of myself naked yeah. i do that i do that to like because mm-hmm. obviously there's a part there's a part of me that's a complete slapper and i want attention but there's also a part of me that like i want i want to encourage people to talk about sex and i would drop in i would just drop in something about a sex toy so it's almost like yeah. it's a little bit it's a little bit contrived but it does work and sometimes people need that sometimes ne- people do need to be told that's fine if you want to wank yourself to death do it just make sure you're using a good lube <laughs> <laughs> like you know and if, and if you want to like find your prostate that's absolutely fine and here's here's a few products to recommend but when i post about sex toys it gets pulled almost immediately but then you open i open my instagram explore page and i see cardi b is allowed to advertise sex toys yeah and i'm like there's different rules. i love her and i'm i think it's incredible that she's doing that with her with her audience but why can't i do it like yeah. why is it different for me poor me pour me a drink <laughs> <laughs> So it says on your website, I can assist you with sex, sexual relationship issues, sex toys and sexual confidence. Were you always confident on these topics, uh, as, you know, when you started out in Soho, you know, 18 or even younger? Uh, and what makes you the expert? Um, was I always confident? No, definitely not. It took me a long time to get... I didn't really enjoy anal sex until I was... Anal toys I enjoyed when I started to have anal with my first partner. I waited until my first boyfriend actually, because I that's my that's that Irish Catholic guilt that made me hold out for someone special. What yeah. a waste of fucking time that was. Um, <laughs> I uh, and if anyone listening to this, don't wait. Throw it around. Just do it in a smart and consensual manner with good lube. Um, but I uh, yeah, I got into a relationship with someone when I was young, and I thought I didn't enjoy anal sex. For a long time mm. and then I, I clocked after a while and it made me I carried guilt because of it I just wasn't sexually compatible with him so no I wasn't an expert immediately but then after time yeah like so now I I'm fully confident in my like so anything to do with sexual confidence like sex toys and any area that I'm not 100% clued up on like obviously like if it's like something if you've something to do with a vulva or a clitoris there's only so much information I can give you so yeah. I'll, always, I'll always direct you to someone who has that to play with um and what makes me an expert i think just knowledge 
And I think like knowledge is power, especially of sex and like it, intimacy. You, I talk from experience and I talk from not just my experience. I talk from, I've spoken to customers and people and experts and adult workers and everyone for like, like 13, 14 years. Yeah. So I have a lot of knowledge to pull from. And I'm not saying I'm the best and I, I would never say that, but I'm just, I'm confident. And like I said, if, if I can't help you, I can absolutely direct you to the person that can. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I've, looked around gays with around I don't think I know anyone who does what you do like all the different things you do together it's hard bloody work I'm like an octopus <laughs> it's, I'm like an, I just do things I like to be incredibly busy I, I'm, I'm like I don't like to sit still at all I like to do stuff and I like, like obviously I do the podcast I do like my writing content I write from there's an industry magazine we have called erotic trade only and it goes out to every adult working professional in the industry in the UK. Mm. And I write, I write a monthly column where I just kind of like give little bits of advice to retailers and stuff. So a lot, of, most of my work is like, it's like an iceberg. Most of it's actually on under the water. So what you see is just like, you know, like stupid stuff like me posting myself in a phone or some stupid corset. But like mo- most of my work is actually really serious and it's about the business side and like... You must get um, a lot of people DMing you asking for sex advice. Yeah. That's have my favourite part. Yeah. Has there ever been someone who's asked you for uh, advice that you just couldn't give an answer to, like completely stumped you? God, I'm going to sound so arrogant. No. Yes. You're no. an expert. That's because, how you know you're an expert. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I know where to pull from and I know reliable sources. So if yeah. I can't direct you myself, I'll absolutely know where to get my own. Also, probably just a personal question for me. I've noticed that you said use good lube a couple of times or the right lube. What is the right lube? It depends what you're doing. So this is one thing I want to throw in just because of a a traumatic experience I had when I was younger. I used oil-based lubricant with a condom for a one-night stand and it made the condom dissolve. So I had unprotected sex without realising it. until I didn't realise until the guy um, had his orgasm and I felt like lava explode up into me. I was like, oh, you've just come in me. Did you stealth me? And he was like, no. And So basically just like use a good lube because over the years I've used really shit lubes and it's like I've used lubes that made me feel like I've got toothpaste up my bum so oil lube or oil based lube o- oil based dissolves dissolves latex. condoms yeah latex condoms so like just use a good like if anyone listening to this wants a good beginner's lube go for a hybrid which is a, a mix of silicone and water okay and if you want it a little bit more oily go to silicone if you want it like kind of like some people like kind of like sticky and sloppy and like a little bit like watery go for water based right um just uh, try to avoid these like sensation lubes if you're new to anal because w- when i was first started doing anal mm. i used a lube that had a tingle effect and again that, that, that I, I can see why people will do something like that and then f- think they just don't enjoy anal sex it's like well maybe you do you just use the wrong lube T- the tingle effect is yeah that... like a menthol that's what it's like oh having... no 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 yeah no, no, no. it was awful no, thank you I've used the menthol shower gel enough times to know not to do that. I know, you're like, when you, when you <laughs> shut, you're like, wow. Yeah. That's refreshing. Minty fresh butt. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'd just like, use a good loop and communicate. That's my, pretty my two little bits of info. So for someone who has never used, like, any sex toys, which toys would you kind of recommend them to use to start with, to start exploring? Ooh, that's a good one. It depends what you want to do. If you want to do something anal... Um, a small butt plug and I know you might look at it in the shop think oh that's that's laughably small no start small because something that looks small doesn't feel small always like for some people it's like it depends on what your relaxation technique techniques are like so if you're starting anal stuff just get a butt plug and like wear that when you masturbate and if you want to like begin to bottom and you've been a top of like a verse top and you want to get into a lot of guys are not confident in bottoming which i get so use a butt plug for the beginning like get used to the sensations and gradually build up over time yeah and then there's like anal trainer kits you can get which are like small medium and large like get that and then when you're fully comfortable with the small you know work yourself into the medium and only when you're fully like with me personally i i will never use a large butt plug it doesn't appeal to me like medium even's pushing it for me like i I like i like stimulation toys i like something that targets the prostate or is a probe of some sort i don't like big things up me unless it's a man in which i don't i'm not a size queen anyway but like i will If it's big, great. If it's small, great. I'll make it work. But um, and if if you're like if you're looking to stimulate your penis, like it's not just a simple masturbator, like something from Flesh Jack or something. Or my favorite brand of masturbators is Tenga, which is a Japanese company, and they are incredible. And the texture, the suction, and they're designed to replicate like oral, deep throat, anal, like vaginal, like you name it. They got so it. Pretty like, useful tools to have in lockdown. Yeah. And if anyone anyone listening to this is listening and like wants to like figure out what toys to use, just DM me. 
I'm not going to charge you for the info. Like, just DM me. It takes me 10 seconds, so I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, hit, I'll DM you. <laughs> this, this is when we get a flock, you get a flock of DMs and you, you're going to need uh, another agent, a PA, someone oh, gotcha. to answer all your messages for you. Feel free. I like the attention. I get bored. <laughs> it just stops me from inviting men over. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> the final question then. So where do you see the sex industry heading in 2021 are there are there particular things that are being focused on right now like you said with another lockdown kind of sales have gone through the roof and yeah. more people are pleasuring themselves at home yeah um, yeah I, I i mean during the first lockdown i think there was that none of us really knew what was happening and how long it was going to go on for so there mm. was like people were just buying sex toys like right i'm going to be at home now and now's the time to like explore i think this time i think people are a lot more miserable like angry you know frustrated so i don't know how that's going to go into sex toy sales i think pardon me sorry sex toy sales are always going to like go up at times like this but the industry right now in terms of promotion like people like myself people like adult workers and sex workers like um we're being targeted like so i don't know i don't i wish i could tell you what's what it's gonna look like in a year's time i don't know if i'm gonna be wiped from the face of social media i really don't i mean i hope not (laughs) i've had four i have my podcast page i've had four instagram pages for it deleted in six months i've had my own instagram deleted and i I managed to get that reinstated i posted a, a mini reference the other day to a competition to win toys for christmas and i had that removed immediately apparently i was soliciting sex um i don't know doing a giveaway for sex toys yeah it was a competition associated with my podcast they just don't like me fuck them do fuck them you need to get a friend in instagram and twitter to see what's up i don't because i'll probably end up hitting them with an ashtray (laughs) a la saskia from eastenders you need to get your agent to deal with that for you so you can just let leave them to it and let them deal with that and then uh, you can just keep doing you yeah, so I mean, ho- hopefully it gets better. I mean, like I said, I'm, I've had other opportunities off the back of the pot of the um, documentary for Channel Four, but uh, I mean, until it's like it's just all really like polarized crap that I don't want to do. I don't want to just be this shocking person like, oh, we want to film you, but will you wear one of your outfits? And I'm like, what do you mean one of my outfits? Like my Primark jeans? <laughs> just tell me what you want me. Like I know, what, I would just wish these producers and stuff would be like black and white with me. Like you want me to wear lingerie? Go on camera and say, like, I love shagging men, just so you can post it and get, you know, your ad click content for 5 million views or whatever. But yeah, like, my agent's talking to different TV producers and stuff right now, so I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, I want to be positive. I'll I'll always be helping people with sex toys and stuff, but in terms of mainstream and stuff, I really don't know. Because it seems to be going backwards, but there may be a backlash. I I may be leading that backlash. (laughs) I will snap eventually, I can tell you, because I, I, I'll, I'll get pushed so far and I'll snap. Well, we can't wait to see it. <laughs> um, I've just got one more question. Yes. Um, for any listeners um, who would like to buy some sex toys or do some research on different sex toys, where would you recommend them to go? Okay, so it depends, like, if, if you're, like, a, a, a queer person, you want to, like, put your money into, like, queer businesses, there's obviously Clone Zone that I work for clonezone.co.uk there's prowler prowler.co.uk um if you want to like look at a massive like you know for all body types genders etc there's lots like there's shush women's emporium and i love shush they're incredible um there's love honey obviously um if you're looking for something a bit kinkier you can look at uber kinky uk who i love if you want like just look for like general kind of sex toys little shop around there's brands like bondara who are lovely and they're really supportive of the, like, the queer community. And during lockdown, they actually sent me a goodie bag to celebrate Manchester Pride, even though it wasn't happening, which was really cute, like kind. They didn't have to do that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a mass following for them to really benefit from that. They just did it to be decent. And that's a sign of a good company. So yeah, give some money to bondara.co.uk. <laughs> no, they're lovely. They're, they're good people and they, they work bloody hard. Thank you, Topher. Thank you. That's all. Um... <laughs> You can go now. (laughs) Bye. You're excused. (laughs) And that, everyone, is the end of episode 19. Thank you for joining us. Topher, it's been an absolute... Absolute. Absolute. It's been an absolute pleasure. (laughs) That could be a sex shop. Oh, you're going to start schlop? Schlop. Schlopstore.com. Schlop by Topher. Schlop. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Can you please tell our listeners where they can follow you? 
thank you. It's been fun. I feel like I don't need my therapy session tomorrow. Um, <laughs> uh, if 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 you want to like, um, my Twitter is hello. I am Tofa. Instagram Tofa Taylor. If you can find it, um, my podcast is called Sex with Tofa, which is on Twitter. It's not on Instagram because they keep fucking deleting it. But yeah, or, or tofutaylor.co.uk. And if, I mean it. Like if you've got a question about sex and it's all discreet, like I said, most of my work's discreet. You can always email me. It's just mine at tofa at tofutaylor.co.uk. And I will get back to you in good time. And don't forget to let us know if you've listened to the show on social. We're on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.